Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you, who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. Jamestown Community College is looking at ways of upgrading its athletic facilities with the Russell E. Dietrich Stadium at the heart of its plan. We spoke with Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist about the city's role in that. Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist joins us in the WRFA studios today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So, Lots going on, but we'll start with first that the County Planning Board is going to hear a proposal this afternoon by Jamestown Community College on a $30.3 million multi-sport athletic complex project. That project includes a turf field for soccer, baseball, and softball, and also would involve the college assuming ownership of Diedrich Stadium. So given, given that the city owns the stadium, can you comment on any discussions the city has had with the college about that transfer of ownership? Well, we've been working with the college for many years on the potential transfer of ownership for the stadium. And I think the college is trying to solicit funds to make this a reality. Uh, but we haven't made any transfers. We haven't uh, done, there's been really no progress uh, on that. Uh, our position has been, you know, we want to see that JCC is able to raise the significant amount of funds needed to make this project happen first uh, before we move forward with it. Plus, there's a lot of other discussions that need to happen with city council on the transfer of ownership, uh, approval, different uh, various items that have to that have to go along with it. Uh, so we're kind of at a holding pattern. We're waiting to see uh, if JCC can come up with the funding that needs to uh, that would need to happen in order to renovate this building. Uh, but they're going through the normal process with the county, a process that has happened uh, several years ago and continues to happen in order to request funding through their budget. The county requires they go through their planning board. And JCC President Dr. Daniel DeMart mentioned at that July Board of Trustees meeting that when it comes to how the athletic complex is funded, that it is, quote, unknown in this case, is if we get beyond the transfer of ownership, whether or not we would pursue additional sponsorship from the city. So has that come up about, you know, okay, you the city transfers the stadium, that the city then would provide any additional financial support for the project? Well, I think that's, uh, you know, it's, it's always a possibility to request that, right? But we have not gotten any requests uh, specifically for additional financial support. All of our conversations have really just been around uh, the transfer, and most of that has remained stagnant as JCC is looking to try to raise the funds or a significant portion of funds for that project. Mm-hmm. And at the trustee meeting, he mentioned that there were various steps. I mean, obviously, that you know, the county meeting with the county planning board today is one of the steps. Having the county legislature then approve funding through the budget process this fall would be the next step. But also, then they would have to get permission from State University in New York for the project, but also would the city have to do anything with New York State in terms of that transfer of city parkland over to the college? I wasn't sure how that worked because obviously the college is part of the state of New York and they're they're a nonprofit by default. Uh, So I wasn't sure how that alienation worked. 
Sure. Under New York's law on uh, park alienation, if the city gives up parkland, it has to create equivalent parkland. In this case, uh, the parkland would actually stay with an, uh, a state agency and would continue to be reserved for parkland space. So there, there would be no real transfer or real change uh, in this in this process. So okay. So but would the state would have would the state still have to approve though that transfer between the city and the college uh, to our knowledge that they do not because it's continuing to go with a governmental agency and remaining as parkland uh, certainly there's a process where we can you know involve the parks uh, the state parks just to let them know but I don't we don't believe at this time that there's any uh, formal uh, approval necessary by the state mm-hmm. knowing that I, some of this had come up at where he, uh, I should say, Dr. DeMar mentioned in his presentation to the Board of Trustees for the college that, you know, that there are certain activities that take place at the stadium regularly. We have Jamestown Tarp Skunks there. We have Jamestown Babe Ruth World Series, which is happening very, very soon this month. Uh, is that something that the city could stipulate as part of a transfer, saying that, you know, in order for this transfer to go through, you must keep and a whole list of, uh, of the users that are currently using it? Is that something that can be done? It can be stipulated. In fact, a lot of those organizations have leases on the stadium. So, for example, the Tarp Skunks does have a lease. And so that lease would uh, stay in place if we were to transfer the property. Uh, So they would have to continue to honor uh, that lease agreement. And we also need to recognize that this would still need to continue to be parkland. So it would need to be available and open to the public. So that would be a potential stipulation of any agreement. Okay. So moving along, uh, the city and Department of Development are working on a change to the city code that would allow the housing code enforcement officers to directly ticket for housing code violations, things like junk and debris. Uh, We're not talking about, you know, major like roof falling in kind of situations. That's a bigger uh, housing violation, but for smaller quality of life nuisances. And I was wondering, because this was came up at, a, at the only work session that was held in July and didn't come forward for a vote in the city council's voting session for July. Do you know where that is in the process right now? Yeah, so it was presented uh, mostly for informational purposes to the city council in July. Uh, our team did a ton of research on what other cities have been doing, mostly to address issues of high grass, junk and debris, and other smaller items. Typically what happens is those uh, languish before they even hit court and either they're already taken care of so there's no fines or penalties uh, or you know they remain the same and then fi- get taken care of af- after the first court appearance. Uh, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to dissuade individuals uh, and landowners from doing that. Instead, we'll uh, fine you, we can assess it on your tax bill, we can go after you personally for it as a landowner. Uh, and so we're trying to be more aggressive in our policies on housing uh, because it's it's getting out of hand. Uh, we're seeing uh, increased in high grass in areas which are causing um, various animals to uh, be in those areas and impact other people's homes. Uh, so we're looking for ways and looking to see what other cities have done to be more aggressive in these actions. Mm-hmm. Do you, Are there certain cities that you can give an examples of, of how they've done it and how it's been working for them? Yeah, one example actually where we pulled most of the code was from Rochester. Uh, Rochester has also been dealing with a very similar issue of junk and debris and uh, high grass. Uh, from what we've heard is that it, you know they're working to roll that out and it's it's gone somewhat successfully, uh, but I think they're still trying to figure that process out as well. Okay. Um, with the understanding that when it comes to ticketing that, is this, this is something I imagine that uh, housing court Judge, Judge Judge George Panbianco that probably has to set the fees for if or defines for is that something that he's been brought in on the process? 
Uh, not yet. So typically what will happen is if there's any uh, fines or fees that exist, uh, the housing court judges would have to acquiesce to the amount of those, of those fines or fees. Uh, so as we uh, finalize the legislation, which we have not done, as mentioned, we just provided informational to get comments and feedback from city council. We're compiling all of those things now to uh, put it in kind of a final draft form. And then we'll uh, start to have discussions with our uh, city court judges. You know, unfortunately, we uh, judges cannot kind of speculate on legislation. And if they're approving the fine, it's just the fine alone. So we typically wait until the, until the end to, to get that because it's uh, we don't want to put them in a position where they've helped to craft the legislation, uh, which is something that they can't do. Right. So um, going forward, uh, I think all local media has now reported on this, but the public is still very much a buzz about the new green paint on Washington Street. Uh, can you explain again what this is all about? And, and you and I were talking off, off air before we started recording here about the fact that you have talked about it on WRFA, but we just didn't realize this is what this was going to look like. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I've gotten a ton of calls and a lot of uh, requests for information on this green paint. I don't know, it comes at a time when we've now heard that aliens are real from the federal government, so I'm not sure if it's related, uh, but uh, we're really excited about it because here's, here's the reason why. When we've been working with the state Department of Transportation, uh, we've, we've realized that we have a very large uh, community of bicyclists, the people that are riding bikes in, uh, in Jamestown. And we wanted to ensure that as we redevelop and redesign our streets, that we are redesigning them for everyone. And so that prompted a discussion with the, the Department of Transportation several years ago and was part of our public hearings, public comments, uh, that we wanted to uh, be more bike friendly as a city. Uh, so that's why you are now seeing these kind of green specific bike lanes and what we now call our bike boxes or bike turning boxes. So the idea behind it is that it's actually very dangerous for a bicyclist to go from the right side and make a left hand turn. Right. You have uh, other traffic in various lanes that are coming. Right. It, it's, it's a very dangerous maneuver. So the intention for these bike boxes is that traffic stops behind the white line, way behind the green box. A bicyclist has the right of way to come into the, that green box so that they come in front of traffic and are able to make a left-hand turn or go straight should they wish. So, yeah, and I'm thinking when it comes to Complete Streets, which is the city has been, in fact, you recently even held a workshop on Complete Streets and what it means and projects about that. I, I, I want to say that there's, there's still work that the state has to do with those green boxes. Yes. Uh, yeah, so so they from what I understand, they're going to put like turning, like like when I'm driving a car, there'll be a, um, painted on the road. Usually that arrow says turn only this way. And also then there'll be a sign above. Are we expecting to see that same sort of painted turning arrows on the bike boxes? I'll have to check the original the designs, but uh, bike boxes are meant to actually be looking like boxes, right? Mm -hmm. Where uh, either a bicycle symbol or an actual turning symbol. So we'll, uh, we're still waiting for a couple more uh, lines to be painted. Um, in particular, there's supposed to be a buffer between the bike lane and regular traffic, and there's a line missing. Uh, there's a couple other white lines that are missing. We got a couple other issues that we've, we've noticed and talked to the state about, uh, mostly due to supply chain issues. So many of our motorists will probably see that there are lights that have been installed that have been covered up. Uh, those are because uh, they're installing new traffic lights and new timing devices. 
but we're on back order for some of the uh, the components for uh, crosswalk signals and other things. So we're working to get all of the pieces together, uh, and we're, we still have a checklist of things for the Department of Transportation to complete on Washington Street. Mm -hmm. Supply chain issues affecting other projects that the city's trying to do this summer? Oh, it absolutely is. Everything from purchasing of vehicles, we've got like an 18 month lead time on purchasing vehicles, uh, to even the splash pads. You know, we were hoping to get the splash pads up and running uh, this summer, but what we have found is even though we placed the order back in June, uh, we are still expecting end of August, beginning of September delivery on the components. Uh, so we found there was a huge supply chain issue uh, that we weren't aware of when we when we first started this process. Ben, you mentioned at the uh, the Jamestown Police De Department of Development meeting at Jackson Taylor last week that you have done the soil samples at Jackson Taylor. We have yes. So one of the requirements from City Council was that we do a soil sample analysis at the site uh, that we're looking at the splash pit for Jackson Taylor. Uh, that was completed probably about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And so now we're just waiting on the final analysis uh, to determine whether that is an appropriate site for a splash pad. So in some ways, I, I suppose the supply chain issues maybe are helping Jackson Taylor in that regard. Well, a little bit. Um, now we've ordered all of the equipment. Uh, so our intention is still to do two splash pads and Jackson Taylor Park is more of a matter of where we're going to put it, uh, not if we're going to put it. Uh, but we have ordered all the equipment. When the equipment comes in, it'll actually be for both splash pads. Uh, and so we'll just hold off on installing that Jackson Taylor one until we get final analysis. All right. We're, it's August 1st today when we're talking, and I, I can't believe it's August 1st. I can't but, believe it either. <laughs> but, you know, we're still very much in the midst of summer. And one thing that I was surprised to see come up in the headlines was this issue of emergency housing, specifically concerns by the village of Faulkner about how Chautauqua County Department of Social Services is using the budget in located there for emergency housing. And has there been any action or movement on opening the, the two proposed homeless shelters in Jamestown or other organiz or do you know of other organizations? who are still working on plans for when the cold weather does eventually return? Yeah, so you know, Mayor Jarzinski and I have had a lot of conversations about this, and as we went into the winter of last year, uh, he was part of a lot of our discussions uh, because we recognize the impact that it has on the village of Falconer, right? And that is one of the contracted locations uh, that the county will place people in uh, that, that may be um, unhoused, right? Uh, so what we are, uh, what we're doing going forward is a couple of things. One, some of the shelters that we did use for the winter actually stayed open for a longer period of time in an agreement with the county. Uh, so that has, that was helpful going into kind of the the spring and summer months. Uh, but now we are getting ready to start to plan for the winter again, and so that means uh, we have a direct connection uh, with those two shelters that did open, the emergency shelters in Jamestown with the county. And my understanding is that they're working with the county to try to finalize a potential agreement uh, where that they could hopefully be open again uh, this coming winter. Now, uh, we are working with the other shelters. Uh, COI is trying to put together a women's shelter, so we work with them closely as they are doing the construction phase of their project. Uh, we continue to work with UCAN to try to uh, determine the creation of another women's shelter for them as well. Uh, and the city has been looking at a lot of different other housing options uh, across across the U.S. because this is a problem that we continue to see in many, many other cities across this nation. Mm -hmm. This may be putting you on the spot because it's I hadn't thought of it, but I know another place that, that was being looked at for 
alternative housing of a sort was the Gateway Center. And that project seems to be kind of in a holding pattern. Is that still true? Yeah, I would say that the best person to talk to would be helping Community Helping Hands uh, as they're kind of managing that project along with Stell. Uh, but what we last heard was they were trying to resecure the various uh, loans and funding uh, that were required. Obviously, the project stalled during COVID and uh, priorities shifted and changed. And so they are working diligently to try to ensure that they have the funding in place to move that project forward. Um, I don't have an update on it yet. I haven't gotten much of an update in a, in a couple months, but we're, we're still hopeful that that project will move forward. Mm-hmm. As I said, August 1st and when beginning of August, things don't slow down in Jamestown. And we, in fact, this is this is Lucy Comedy Fest week. Yeah, I think there's a lot of events coming up over the next several weeks in Jamestown. It's very busy, actually. We've got a lot of different things uh, going on, not only with the National Comedy Center, but we have the Babe Ruth World Series. Uh, we have various conferences that are coming into Jamestown that we're really excited about. Uh, from my conversations with a lot of the hotel owners that the hotels are pretty much full for August. And that's a really great thing uh, for the city. And we're really well, ready to welcome uh, new visitors uh, to our area. Great. Mayor Zunquist, anything else you'd like to add? No, we just appreciate everyone. We, we hope everyone's having a very safe summer, a uh, healthy summer. And, uh, you know, kind of hard to do with all the smoke and other things that keep popping up. But uh, it's certainly been a strange one. But we're, we're just excited to continue forward. Uh, try to enjoy what's left uh, before school starts uh, and start to move towards uh, whatever the next season is. And I won't say that on air. It's okay. Autumn's a really nice a, a nice season around here. Beautiful season around here. It is indeed. Well, you know, Mayor Sunquist, thanks for being with us. Thanks so much, Julia.